Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. However, I'm not so sure we'll break through any illusions today. Well, maybe we will. Well, I don't know. In fact, I'm not even really sure what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go off the path a little differently today, totally unscripted, into a different realm of exploration. We just might break through the old paradigm of health and healing, or not, or old models of spiritual development practice. Maybe we'll explore the connection between humor and enlightenment, or maybe not. (laughs) But I guarantee we will be entertained, no question about that, or maybe we'll even be moved and inspired because our guest today is someone you're going to love. He says, listen to this, perhaps our ability to laugh at ourselves and not take ourselves too seriously is what increases our spiritual growth. Intrigued? I am, and I am a fan of that voice. Today, we have an opportunity to experience and explore the ultra-spiritual philosophy with the ultra-spiritual guy himself, J.P. Sears. And I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and maybe add a smile for J.P., while you settle into your essential wholeness, and I introduce our guest. J.P. Sears is an emotional healing coach. I bet you didn't know that. International teacher, speaker, and world traveler. He's also a curious student of life. His work empowers people to live more meaningful lives. J.P. speaks and performs at numerous events, conferences, festivals, and retreats around the world. He is very active on his YouTube channel, Awaken with J.P., where he encourages healing and growth through his entertainingly informative, humorous, and inspiring videos, including his hit ultra spiritual comedy series and that's probably how you know him you can learn more about jp and his work at awakenwithjp.com or just google jp sears and i am really happy and delighted to have him here welcome jp hey dr julie thank you for being weird enough to have me on your show i'm incredibly happy to be here with you (laughs) well thank you you know what i just have to i'm kind of laughing to myself today because i love how the universe works i booked you a couple months ago i don't know maybe even three or four months ago but i booked you a long time ago and i just had a meeting with some really cool people yesterday a really important meeting and we were all talking about laughing more and playing more and lightening up and just really being childlike in this time we're living in. And then here you are on my show this week. So it's perfect timing. (laughs) Well, I, yeah, that sounds like wonderful serendipity and I'll do my best to act like a child. Uh, Maybe not in the best sense of the word, but uh, we'll test your mothering skills. (laughs) 
Well, I am a mother of three adult children, JP, so I will try to keep you in line. <laughs> Let's Good <just> luck. <laughs> well, I do have a traditional question, and this is the only question that I've even thought about today, because really, when I said unscripted, I totally went, you know what, I'm going to play and have fun with JP. But I do have a traditional first question that I like to ask ask on this show because kind of helps to put this conversation into a bigger perspective. And I don't know if we're going to do that or not today, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. So JP, what does all things connected mean to you? Yeah, to me, that's uh, the reminder of a, a, a truth, which I think that truth, all things are connected, um, is kind of like a guiding North star that never steers us wrong. Uh, there's the um, the Zen people, and I'm sure other people will suggest that all suffering is caused from a sense of separation. And you know, my delusional perspective is that seems pretty true. So I think we can never have too many reminders that tell us all things are connected. Uh, the senses of separation sure seem real, and they're just a story that our five senses and our mind. Um, trick us with. And it's a, it's a great trick, uh, as long as we remember that it is a trick. So the reminder, all things connected, to me, it, it points us back into sort of the nurturing womb of oneness, where we can get a relief from our suffering, and maybe um, not just a relief from it, but infuse ourselves with uh, a sense of support um, from that which we judge to be beyond ourselves. Mm. I love that. Thank you. J.P. Yep. Sears gave a very wise and grounded and serious response. That was that was really <laughs> lovely. Thank you. I, I, you I'm going to write down that you said it was a wise response. Uh, that, <laughs> you do that, and yeah. then and I wrote down part of your comment, and maybe we could go back and forth and and. Um, do a little video blogging back and forth and really enlighten the world with this wisdom that's coming through. <laughs> what would you say? So if you had me on your show and you had to talk about this in an ultra spiritual way, all things connected, what might you say about that? Yeah, well, I think, uh, Dr. Julie, I would first acknowledge that uh, I can't tell that you're on my show because I exist and such a field of oneness mm -hmm. that I don't even acknowledge duality. So I would wonder if you're actually there as I'm sitting there experiencing pure oneness. And then as I continue to ignore you because you're not really there, I'm the only one that's really there because it's oneness, it's non-duality. I think I would start to consider that even the concept of non-duality, and I'd consider this out loud while I'm ignoring you, that even the concept of non-duality is too dualistic. And I think I would then be motivated to create a, a new dimension, which would be non-non-duality. Uh, because non-duality is, uh, it relies on duality in order to have existence. And I think that's too much duality. So, the the new system that I would be preaching while I'm ignoring you is um, non-non-duality. It's 87% uh, less duality and 400% more non-duality than non-duality has. Um, so that sounds like it would be an entertaining show to hear me talk to myself about. 
It would. <laughs> and you know what? It would be really an honor to not be with you on that show. And that's exactly how you would be with me by not yeah. me. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. I like it. And, you know, Dr. Julie, I will also say maybe you have been a part of all of my videos up to this mm-hmm. point because, you know, where do you end and I begin? I think, you know, all is one. So to judge yourself to have not been in all of my videos, I think would just be blindly buying into the sense of separation. So, yeah, I guess that leads me to uh, I want to publicly thank you, Dr. Julie, for being an integral part of all my videos. Oh, you are so welcome. And I never said I wasn't there. So I'm glad you finally acknowledged it. <laughs> it took me a while to have a self-realization, but my third eye is opening more now. <laughs> yes. J.P. Sears, who are you? I know you're me and I know you're everything. And I'm just really curious maybe where those seeds were planted that sprouted this illusion that we like to call J.P. Sears. Yeah. Where did you? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about you. Yeah. You know, I'm the the most accurate sense of who I am is I'm a delusional redhead with blue eyes and uh Things that this delusional redhead with blue eyes does, you know, I I do emotional healing work. I've had that practice for about 15 years. I'm a YouTuber, author, speaker, performer. So those are those are things that I do that ultimately uh, have the heart and soul of helping people help themselves to heal, grow and step more into their authenticity. And. And I think, you know, when those are things I do, it's not really who I am, but I, the who I am underneath those things that I do, um, I think what, what motivates me to do those things uh, kind of then gets into who I am, which is, you know, I, I'm a person working on his own healing. You know, I come from childhood, just like everybody else, where I had my challenges, I had my pain, I had my wounds. And there's so much of that that I've worked on. And there is so much of it that still needs more work and so much more to be discovered. So, you know, I'm, I'm really a person who's doing his best to heal his, uh, heal his heart. And I think one of the reasons why I do healing work with people, uh, the clients and why I, um, you know, express my messages is because I need to hear them. It's because I need healing work. And uh, yeah, so, you know, at the heart of who I am, I'm someone who's working on healing and discovering who he is. Mm. Beautiful. So before we even talk about these videos, then, because they are so healing, I'm just really curious what that healer person that's working on healing himself, um, what might you say to our listeners today, uh, the, the meaningful moving part of our healing journey, what might, what in, inspiration or hope might you give our listeners out there who say, you know, I have that hurt in my heart and I'm ready to heal now? Yeah, I'd want to say two things. First off, you're not the only one that has it. Uh, 
we spend so much of our time not talking about the hurt in our heart that we start to make believe that nobody else has hurt in their heart the way we do. But just because we don't see a lot of people talking about it doesn't mean it's not there. We all have it. The question is, can we acknowledge it or are we in denial of it? So you're not the only one. Then the second thing that I need to hear that I'll speak at everybody else is uh, it's okay that you hurt, period. Yeah, I made up a story in my mind a long time ago that said, it's not okay for me to be hurt. So that essentially puts me in a bind against my hurt. So I have to treat it like an enemy, where if a feeling or an experience doesn't feel comfortable, I treat it like an enemy. I, I don't give myself permission to have that feeling. And that basically makes me my own worst enemy. And, and I, I still need, I, I can say this easily in my head, yet my heart still has a lot of room to embody it more. The message that says, when you're hurting, it is absolutely okay. And even if we don't feel okay, it's okay that we don't feel okay. Um, so those are messages I need to hear that I'd love to invite everybody listening to consider. What kind of meaning would you like to get from them? Mm, you know, just keeping it on this this serious note for just a minute, that's not really serious. It doesn't have to be. But um, the serious side of you that works with people doing healing work, because a lot of people don't know that about you, right? Mm -hmm. You have this incredible persona that is a social media superstar now. And I'll get to that in a minute. But you are doing some important work on the planet. And I, I remember um, seeing one of your videos on I don't remember if it was if you called it self-esteem or um, you have one on negative self-talk. I think mm -hmm. you have a couple videos on. I think there's one on depression. Uh, you have you have some videos on there that are serious topics on relationships on that kind of stuff. So, what kind of work do you like to do with people? Yeah, uh, the the sincere work I do with people. It's, uh, it's a hybrid of a lot of systems I've been exposed to. So how I would describe it is it's largely using the inner child model and facilitating an experience for people to become more vulnerable uh, with their own emotions and with their experiences and, and therefore helping also challenge people uh, out of their comfort zones. And I know that sounds pretty trivial. I mean, challenge people out of their comfort zones. But in this case, I'm talking about the self-destructive comfort zones, how we comfort ourselves with repetitive patterns of self-sabotage, disconnection, uh, because they're simply familiar. By the way, repetitive patterns of low self-worth, self-punishment being certainly uh, parts of those. So it, if it's painful but familiar, it's comfortable. We get a great sense of comfortability out of things that are uncomfortable as long as they're familiar to us. So helping people move beyond uh, living the same day over and over again inside of their own lives, 
to um, step deeper into the mystery of who they really are is uh, important to me. So there's a lot of feeling work uh, involved with how I work with people. Mm. So you do do private sessions. There's some serious videos as well as the fun videos on your website. Uh, people can make an appointment with you. They can just go online and all the information is right there on your website. And that's the healer part of JP. Anything more you want to say about that healing people's hearts and working with them in this capacity? Yeah, uh, I mean, I will definitely say that I don't heal anybody's hearts, at least not from my point of view. I think uh, people heal their own hearts. And just like you can have a, a mountain guide with you as you're climbing Mount Everest or whatever the mountain is, the guy, the guide's not going to climb the mountain for you. You're not going to ride on his or her back. The guide's going to help uh, navigate you along the way to avoid some trenches and dig yourself out of holes that you fall into. So that's really, uh, in my opinion, all uh, I can do or really anybody else can do. And personally, I think if someone else healed us for us, it would be a little bit of a disempowering experience because we, we haven't learned anything about how we can keep on helping and healing ourselves if someone else has done it, done it for us. Thank you for saying that, JP. One of my favorite all-time healers stood up on a stage one time and said, I'm not a healer. And everybody was kind of like perplexed. And he says, <laughs> I'm not a healer. You're the healer. I just yeah. work with you and walk with you so you can heal yourself. And it makes total sense for me. So thank you for acknowledging that. I think that's an important message that our world really needs to hear right now because we all are self-healers and this is yeah. our our job right our our responsibility and 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 i agree with you if somebody else was doing the healing what do we what what can we take away from that so for sure and and i think uh if i can uh, get a little disgruntled here i don't think it's really disgruntled who knows maybe we'll see <laughs> where my emotions go with this but i think in an unfortunate part of our reality that um uh needs more awareness on it is someone essentially selling the idea, I can heal you, that is potentially more profitable. Where when when we start to buy into sort of the guru complex, oh, they are the guru. Uh, so therefore, I need to buy his or her course or whatever it is. And it's not necessarily motivated. I mean, we can have a very genuine course and it can be a great purchase for someone. But when it's not motivated from a genuine place, because the person's, you know, the person trying to sell themselves as a guru, uh, they're they're selling us not based on authenticity, but they're selling us based on the idea that we lack what they have. And therefore that's why you should buy my course or pay for my, you know, $99,999 a year mastermind program, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't buy it. I do not buy into the idea that someone else, um, has abilities to heal me or other people that 
I don't have or that the other people don't have with themselves. I think truly the best place to invest our money when it comes to self-help and healing is uh, someone who's yeah got great experience and wisdom, and they're ultimately teaching us how to do it for ourselves. To me, that is where the money is well spent. And honestly, someone who's done enough, you know, the guru, if you will, a teacher, who's done enough work on themselves where they don't just ride around with a fractured ego that needs to be gratified through having other people see them as the significant one, and therefore other people see themselves as the insignificant one. Uh, to me, that's that's not the type of teacher that I want to be associated with. Uh, I'd, I'd rather have a teacher who's done enough self-work where they've worked on healing themselves so that they don't need to use their students or their colleagues as um, leverage to boost their own ego. Mm. Amen, brother JP. Amen with that. And, you know, while you were talking, I thought of one more thing that um, I'd really like to hear you respond to before break as well is, um, as you were talking about the guru teacher, I was also thinking about the trap that we get in with thinking we need things outside of ourselves as well. So we need, we need those essential oils. We need that um, certain whatever, because we need something outside of ourselves to heal, to be complete, to be whole, whatever that might be. I'm curious what you might say about all those things as well as all the people. Yeah. You know, I, I've got um, sort of like a, a gray point of view on that. Uh, the So the gray point of view is not black or white where I, I think we need them or we don't need them. Uh, I, I think being codependent is an aspect of this life. And granted, I don't think that means we're supposed to be 100% codependent all the time. Like, no, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, you know, not bypassing the reality, whether it's a delusional reality or not. I mean, I know a lot of fields would say, oh, it's a delusional reality. You know, everything you need is found within. It's like, yeah, that sounds great on paper, but I don't know how to do that. So I do need things from other people. I need their attention sometimes. I need I need their validation sometimes. And guess what? I also need food that doesn't come from within me. And I am not evolved enough to be a breatharian. So to me, there, there's a balance point where I'm not spiritual bypassing to the point where I don't think I need things and I refuse to use essential oils because those come from outside of me. And at the same time, I don't fall to the other extreme where I am completely bypassing my internal faculties and my own you know, innate life energy where I become addicted to, I always need this essential oil and this magnet and you know, uh, this earthing mat and, and all of this because I'm just sold, I'm selling myself on this story that I won't be enough without these things. Um, so to me, there's the, the middle ground where we experience the beauty of the codependence of receiving things outside of ourselves 
while not forgetting the power that we do have inside of ourselves. So, and by the way, you know, that I'm talking about like a mythical balance point. I, I don't know how to define that balance point in words other than to say, I think there is a balance point to aim for. And I think it's probably different for different people. And I think that balance point is oftentimes even different for the same person. Meaning, you know, like when I'm in a, a stressed out state, my balance point, my sense of what I need from the outside world, uh, it becomes greater. And when I'm in a, a more peaceful mode, my balance point of what I need from the outside world becomes lesser. I, I just feel more sustained and fulfilled from the inside. So I, I, I think we can even pay attention to how we're shifting uh, our own balance in any given moment. So, yeah, uh, Dr. Julie, that's my delusional thought, but I'd love to hear your perspective if I can <laughs> dare ask you on the same question. You know what? I would love to respond to that. Thank you, JP, because um, you inspired a, when you said codependent in a, in a healthy kind of way, um, it makes me think of our interdependent reality. And so I really appreciate your perspective being gray, being varying shades of gray, because quite literally um, what I heard, which I agree with completely, is that when we're in touch with ourselves, like when we're really asking our own internal guidance system, tuning into our heart, turning into our intuition, our higher self, whatever we might say with that. But when we're tuning inward and listening, there are days that we just might need some comfort food and a little blankie and a fire to, to cuddle up against and, and, you know, and, and shut ourselves away from a lot of external stimulation. And there might be days where, you know, some fresh fruits and vegetables get out in the sunshine, move your body. And I feel really, really, really good. So I really appreciate bringing in that word codependent in a, in a non-charged way, not negative or positive, but looking at ourselves in this interdependent reality of this delusion. So mm. <laughs> thank you for that. You know what? We need to take a break. I really appreciate you asking me that question, JP. And if you have any other thoughts about that, hold it because we're going to take a quick break. We're talking with JP Sears. You can find him at awakenwithjp.com or all over social media with his YouTubes and the ultra spiritual guy. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Meditation channel, nonstop meditation music, 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation channel. Peekaboo! 
Peek-a-boo, smile. Smile, buddy. Come on, smile. Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. <sighs> yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby. I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of the dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism. And we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You don't usually get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures, a stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college. This is beyond a simple donation. It's the opportunity for America to invest in its kids and take an active stake in the future of the country. The return on your investment isn't money. What you get back is knowing you protected our potential. So one day, that potential can grow up to become surgeons and architects, executives and engineers, people who can change the future just by being a part of it. My name is Alicia, and I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. A public service announcement brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Empower Radio. Empowering you 24-7. Online at empowerradio.com. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Hey, welcome back. If you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe just listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie. I love to hear from you. I love to keep the conversation going. Love your feedback. So please leave a comment and sign up for my mailing list as well. And also come play with me and lots of other global co-creatives at goodofthewhole.com. Again, that's goodofthewhole.com. I'm here today with J.P. Sears, and most of you know him as the ultra-spiritual guy with the ultra-spiritual YouTube series, this video series, and you probably didn't know he was such a serious guy that did really cool work in the world along with that entertaining series. J.P., thank you, number one, for not just being with me today, but 
really the work that you do do in the world. Um, it's mm. just refreshing. Again, like we started out the, the beginning of the show, it's really refreshing to have others really teaching us to lighten up a bit. And it's not just this serious work about awakening and evolving the planet and evolving the consciousness. And, and then we've had many really serious trying months in the United States here. And so it is refreshing to laugh at ourselves, to look at ourselves differently and, and to lighten up a bit. So thank you for that. I, th I think that's where I'd mm. like to start with this next half and ask how how did, how was the ultra spiritual guy born? How did that series start? Were you were you always funny as a kid? Did you always have that sense of humor and that sense of sarcasm? How did the ultra spiritual series start? Well, you asked me if I've always been funny, so here's your biased answer. Of course, <laughs> I've always been funny. Um, so, and of course, some people would have a different opinion. Um, from my point of view, yeah, having a sense of humor, it's been part of my life uh, ever since I can remember. And I think a dimension of my sense of humor was shaped uh, as a child, like, like so many uh, other people, where I used humor to compensate for pain. Uh, you know, when I would feel insignificant inside, instead of actually feeling that, I would get a temporary sense of significance on the outside by making people laugh. Therefore, I could believe that I matter to them and I'm valued to them. Therefore, I feel significant for like, you know, three minutes. Now I need to make someone else laugh. Uh, but nonetheless, that was something that really exercised the muscle and developed the muscle of my sense of humor. And, and you know, my dad has a great sense of humor and some of my uncles, uh, great senses of humor. So there were, those were those wonderful influences there. So yeah, going through school, I'd be the class clown. And in fact, I remember one time uh, I was 16 years old. So whatever that, maybe 15, doesn't even matter. Like a sophomore in high school. And uh, the, the I think it was in the accounting class. The regular teacher was sick that day. Therefore, we had a substitute. And I don't know about the rest of you guys in <laughs> high school, but when we had a substitute teacher for the class, that's just like, yes, this is a cakewalk. Because, you know, they're, they're not in tune with what the lesson plan is. So usually it's just a matter of like, sit there, do homework, and don't be loud. So this guy that came in the substitute was a young guy. And what that really meant to me is like, oh, I bet I can get away with more here. Because uh, he's young, he's, you know, hasn't been seasoned and developed the thick skin that you probably need to deal with rowdy high school students all day. So me and a friend were just goofing around during the class and uh, I got on top of the desks and I was pretending I was Spider-Man, you know, as you do. And uh, <laughs> the all do. Said, yeah. <laughs> And it, like, I just kept doing it and doing it. And eventually the teacher said, you, you get down from there. You're, um, you're causing too much disruption. And I said, okay. Then like 30 seconds later, I'm back up. I'm Spider-Man again and sh acting like I'm shooting the webs. It was just a great time. So then he, he kind of snapped. He's like, okay, I told you once, uh, get down from there. Now you got a detention. You didn't listen. What's your name? And I said, I'm Spider-Man. And then he said, no, what's your real name? And I said, okay, I'm Peter Parker. And at that point, he just, and if you don't know Peter Parker's Spider-Man's real name. So at that point, he himself lost. He just started laughing and I ended up <laughs> not getting the detention a la my sense of humor. 
So, by the way, thank you for letting me entertain myself with that story that it, it at least amused me. And, and so along the way, um, you know, my, I think my, my sense of humor became a way for me to connect with myself rather than disconnect mm. from myself like I used it in childhood. And then starting about two years ago, uh, I gave, I finally gave myself permission to let my sense of humor come out on video because I'd been doing videos for a year and a half or maybe two years before any of my comedy videos. But I made up the story that said, Ooh, doing comedy videos would be terrible for business. And, but finally I'm like, oh, screw that story. I just, I need to be true to me and uh, express some of my perspectives through the language of humor. And I found it to be very satiating, you know, quite a bit of inner fulfillment through kind of like the art and creativity of using humor to uh, convey a message. Mm. So what was your first video? I'm just going to, um, I, if our listeners have not seen your videos, um, you will be thoroughly entertained, but you have one video, how to become gluten intolerant that has 6,725,000 views. If meat eaters acted like vegans has 5,500,000 views. Where did you start? What was your first idea? Which which video? The Instagram, YouTube one, or yeah, the, the, the yoga uh, poses? No, those those are all relatively recent. So the I'll give you two answers. The first comedy video I did, which I didn't even think of it as a comedy video at the time, and it, it, I don't know, it, but I guess it is. Before the ultra spiritual ones, just a couple of months before it, I did one called "How to Ruin Your Life." Uh, so that was really the the first real, you know, unserious video I did. And then following that was the first one of my ongoing series. And this one was called How to Be Ultra Spiritual. And that was, I think, I consider that to be really the first comedy video uh, that I did. And at the time, I just thought it would be a one-time video and but after a few weeks once it was out i just wow i there's so much material there and it, it feels so felt so good to me to do that video i want to do more so looking looking back how i can say i've been very blessed of how the my humor has worked for me zero percentage of it has been intelligently un engineered, at least not by my logical mind. There's no plan set out. Oh, let me strategically use humor and, you know, whatever, build my audience and then uh, get book deals or whatever. No, it's just, I've always been the blind man stumbling along and somehow being uh, blind helps me find my way better. And what that really means for me in less ambiguous, analogous uh, language is I like to be very in tune with what I'm motivated and inspired to do right now and not necessarily worried about how does this fit into the bigger orchestration of what this will do for me two or three years from now. That's just not the way I work personally, but being tuned in 
to what I'm inspired to do right now is kind of like how I become the, the blind man who just finds his way. Mm. Well, I, so I, I want to expand on that because I think it's really important. Um, it's an important lesson for us all, really, because I appreciate you saying I'm just responding to what's presenting right here. And when I think of that, if, if you go out into the future and say, okay, what can I do so that five years from now I've built a platform and I'm really successful, you're moving back into that disconnection and yeah. this duality that we're talking about that really doesn't exist anyway, right? But anyway, <laughs> that's what you're doing. We're creating this gap. And I really think the understanding that peace is so helpful to us as a humanity right now of really how to listen, how to fully express what's ours. I mean, you're not listening to what do other people say will be successful. The ultra spiritual guy and the ultra spiritual series came out of a video where you taught people how to be ultra spiritual. I love that. Yeah. You were just in the moment and it, and it emerged and it's brilliant and it's brilliant because it's, oh, thank you. You're welcome. But it, it, but it's brilliant because it's that impulse of creation moving through you as you, it's not you trying to be something that you're not. Mm. Yeah. Amen to that. I love the way that sounds. I think that's a, a beautiful perspective you have. Mm. Mm. And I, I personally do feel that, Sometimes we, by we, I mean, you know, society and the whole, we over strategize ourselves and, you know, we start to really get in our heads. And as you mentioned, that robs us from being rooted in this present moment. Uh, and, you know, we're strategizing ourselves. And ultimately, here's what I find fascinating about overly strategizing ourselves is it means we're planning our route based on where we want to go or where we think we should go. And to me, that is very discounting of the serendipity of our destiny it is very discounting of, you know, if we get airy fairy, the, the higher plan that our higher self has for us. So I think in a, and I think it's important to be ambitious and have desires and wants and, also be open to what is the higher purpose of where I'm supposed to go. So many of our desires that we strategize around is basically how can I make more money and how can I be more significant in the eyes of other people and more significant in the eyes of myself. And really all that boils down to is plans we make that are trying to compensate for how we feel inadequate inside. And then we strategize around it. And we never call it that. We say, oh, this is my goal, or this is my vision, this is my dream. But it's like, well, maybe it's your dream, or maybe you just called it your dream. Maybe it's actually a compensation of you trying to escape your inner reality. And then we build strategies around that. And that can be very discounting of where our heart and soul actually wants to take us. Because I would guess the life purpose, according to our heart and soul, is not to avoid our pain. It's not to avoid our senses of inadequacy, which a lot of our strategies are just geared towards avoiding. Um, they might actually say, no, our life purpose is to step deeper into our life and therefore our feelings 
rather than trying to avoid them. So I think to a degree, if not a huge degree, we need present moment connection with what's happening inside of ourselves, what we're inspired to do right now, rather than just being under the hypnotic trance of our strategies that can be nothing more than under the hypnotic trance of our inadequacies that we're trying to escape. Mm. You know, I wrote a little piece um, this morning when I woke up about, you know, I used to dream <laughs> JP for president. I mean, this is where it's going to go here. JP, look out, watch out. But I, I was, I wrote about, I did dream about being a president, the president of the United States when I was a little girl. And I thought, yes, I, okay, I'm going to be president of the United States. Okay. Hmm. And then it, as I was watching, it felt like it was only, big thinkers and I'm I'm okay I'm intelligent I'm an intelligent human being I can say that right so it looked like it was all cognitive it looked like it was such this intellectual thing where you had to be masculine and you had to be left-brained and Mm. it looked like and then I thought okay it's losing its appeal I don't want to be president (laughs) and then I watched this two-party divisive thing going and I went oh yeah ooh, you know well number one they won't like me because if you're in (laughs) politics someone's not gonna like you right so but anyway this morning I was feeling into a new dream and I was feeling myself um really with with my aspirations and where I've been of, of really seeing this this world healing and healthy and whole and and looking at 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 not just courage but compassion and and our heart and our our heart's ability our heart's intelligence to lead and balancing the masculine and the feminine and balancing that left brain and that right brain and balancing and integrating our head and our heart. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, someday my granddaughter's going to be a president of the United States that has all those qualities. Mm. I bring that up because that's what I'm hearing you say, JP. It's like the prescription of how do we get there? You're telling us how to do that right now. You're oh, saying... Wow. You hear that? It's like, no, you don't have to clear out in the future and plan it according to that. It's like, be here in this moment, be really who we are, listen to our subtle guidance and that higher self and and just be it. And as we're doing that, we get there. But if we try mm-hmm. to get there without being it, we trip ourselves up and something happens. It's kind yeah. of sabotaging. What do you think uh, about that? Sorry. Well, I, I think a big amen to that, sister, is what I think. And and that reminds me, you know, Gandhi's words, be the change you wish to see in the world. He didn't say plan to be the change. He's like, yeah, wh- whatever you want, like be it. And you mentioned you know, I, your words really cut into me in the best way possible when you said you felt a dream or you felt your way into a dream. I mean, I love that language of the feeling. So I think when we think about our aspirations, typically what our mind's noticing is like the movie around it, you know, the concept, the story around our dream. But I think the heart and soul of our dream is always a feeling like, 
how do we actually want to feel? What's the beautiful feeling state that we're actually after? And with the wisdom I just heard from you, it means we don't need to be dependent on whatever the world around us changing, circumstances changing for that feeling to be there. That feeling state is available to us inside, which means it's also available to be ignored. But the call to uh, action, if I heard you correctly, is connect with the feelings that are your dream to experience, not connect with the literal story that you think needs to happen in order for you to have those feelings. Those feelings are already there. It's just, can you find them? Can you connect with them? Um, So nonetheless, it's uh, some of uh, what I heard in your brilliant words. Mm, Thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay. So feelings. Okay. So I need your help. Can you help me out? Well, I think at best I can help you to help yourself. Okay. Help Just me to be to dogmatic help. with my person. Okay. We already went over that. Okay. I get it. Okay. But I really do. I really need your help. Okay. So don't help me on this, but see if you can come up with something brilliant. So people tell me to lighten up and, and have fun and be playful and JP, I swear, every time I'm playful, people look at me like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, I'll send out an email with really playful, fun language, and someone will say, what? What do you mean by a resonance rock star? You know, like, clean up your language. Or I'll joke around and people will look at me like, are you dumb? You don't understand what's going on. Help me. How can I really feel into this and claim my playful self? I, yeah. I really, I really am. I'm, I'll pay you. Turn on yeah. the clock. Yeah, well, I don't know if I can help you, but here's my perspective. I think what you just expressed, it's an illustration that we can all connect with. Because you know what I heard you say is when you express your playfulness, you experience disapproval to come. And it's like, yeah, isn't that the story for all of us? When we notice that the fountain of youth called playfulness has kind of run dry in our life, why did it run dry? What caused the drought? And I think it's because we all experienced a degree of disapproval and that didn't feel good. So we stopped doing the thing that caused other people to disapprove of us. So we get to avoid a sense of disapproval, rejection, as long as we avoid our playfulness. And and I th- again, I think that's something we can all relate to. And I would dare say to be truly playful means we have to be absorbed in ourself, it, like selfish mm. in the best sense of the word. Because if we're other people centric, like we're playing, but we've got our eyes like looking up at metaphorically mommy, mommy or daddy, which in reality can be the person you're sending the email to. But like, you know, little Sally is playing in the living room with her toys, but she's looking at mommy or daddy because she's trying to read like, are they approving me or disapproving me? And, and she starts to modulate her actions in order to avoid disapproval and gain more approval. And the second that she's making her actions and her playfulness about 
getting approval and avoiding disapproval, that's the moment she's not playfulness anymore. It becomes a strategy for approval, which is not playfulness. But we've all seen children when they're playful. They are in a world unto themselves. They are not noticing a thing around them. And I think that's that's what we can all ins- uh, aspire to. And I think it's very inspiring as well. So I think the need for approval is what kills playfulness because we will modulate and restrict things that just playfully want to come out of us spontaneously if we fear that they might be met with disapproval. And I would say you don't have to worry about that. I guarantee people will disapprove of it. If you're being playful, then people who are out of touch with their playfulness, they're going to be reminded of the inner void they have that's empty from the the well of playfulness running dry. They're going to be reminded of that, and it's not comfortable. So they're going to get jealous. They're going to get angry. They're going to get afraid. They might even have a sense of inner shame. But instead of being vulnerable with that, they're going to express a sense of disapproval. And with that said, if we worship that, it's at the expense of our own playfulness. And at the same time, it's real. When we feel the sting of disapproval, because I just said something funny and witty and it wasn't appreciated, that that sting, that's real, Mm. that too needs to be acknowledged. So when we get playful and then someone reacts to our playfulness with disapproval, then we'll react to their reaction. And I think it's our job in order to support our playfulness, we have to respond to our own reaction about their reaction about our playfulness. So what that really means, in in other words, is if there's a part of us that feels hurt, like, oh, they, they didn't like my funny thing I just said. We need to make space for that hurt and let the part of us that has the hurt emote the pain or else they'll live in a uh, um, kind of like a renewed vow of avoiding playfulness because it created pain. But if we can process pain, then we don't have to uh, be in a posture of trying to avoid future occurrences of the pain that we've yet to resolve. So with that, that said, the last thing I'll say on this is I'm (laughs) getting a little preachy at this point, Dr. Julie. (laughs) True playfulness is amusing thyself, not amusing other people Mm because that's approval, disapproval. If that, well, whatever, if other people are amused, that's icing on the cake. If other people are disapproval, whatever, it's icing off their cake, nothing to do with ours. So true playfulness is when we are amusing ourselves for the sake of amusing ourselves. I remember in the the first ultra spiritual video, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was behind the camera filming it for me. Uh, We were, I don't know, halfway done with it. And I looked at her and I said, I do not give a crap if anybody watches this. I am amusing the hell out of myself. And I really meant it. Uh, I really did. Mm -hmm. So with all that said, Julie, I'm going to step off my soapbox. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> well, you know, if, if I, that makes any sense to you. Thank you. It makes perfect sense. And the other thing that you said to preface it all is that we have to be self-absorbed. We're into ourselves. That amusing part, we're self-amusing, is that we don't judge that as selfish. And we don't deprive ourselves of that opportunity. I love that. I love that. 
Okay, so now we only have like a minute and a half left. And I just want to remind our listeners, our friends out there, they can go to awakenwithjp.com, find out so much more. But what wisdom in 60 seconds or less, what do you want to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, I would ask everybody to consider asking yourself this question. Who are you? Not who do you think you are? Not who do you want to be, but who are you in the space in between all that? Uh, I, I think it's a question that um, deserves to be asked. I, I don't really care how we answer it, but I think it's it's the question that's important. Mm. Amen. JP, this was really not just fun, but um, meaningful for me. I really appreciate you being a guest on my show with me today. Hmm. Oh, thank you for that, Dr. Julie. I'm very honored that you'd invite me on. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel very validated by the invitation and certainly inspired by the conversation. Okay, and there's rumor that there's a book coming out in the spring by Sounds True, so you have to come back and talk about your book, okay? I would love to. Okay, again, we're here with J.P. Sears, the creator of the Ultra Spiritual Series, and thank you for joining us here today. Listeners, friends, remember, together, we are creating connections for the greater good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. Mm